Welcome to the Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover. Please discard unnecessary fees and expenses before going through security. Check your emergency fund at the gate and securely stow your well-conceived portfolio in the overhead bin. And when we reach cruising altitude, remember, you are now free to move about retirement. Hey, everybody. Welcome into this week's edition of the Retirement Pilot into the first week here of November. We hope you're doing well. As Steve and I are going to talk about a little quiz today, we're going to give you a five-question retirement preparedness quiz. Don't worry. It's not very complicated, uh, although you might be surprised by your answers. We'll have a little fun with this. I will give my thoughts on what I think the average person like myself is and my own grade, and then we'll let Steve tell us, uh, you know, maybe where we're going wrong and how to fix it because he kind of knows the answers already. So we're not going to let him play the, play with us and uh, take the quiz. <laughs> but with all that said, what's going on, my friend? How you doing? Doing great, Mark. How are you? Hanging in there, not too bad, considering uh, the interesting year that 2020 is and how it just keeps rolling along. Oh uh, yeah, same old. But same it's almost old, right? done, right? We're beginning of November. We're getting close, getting close to getting the year out of here. So let's have <sighs> some fun with this, right? Let's do a little something different today, okay? All right. All right, so like I said, I'm going to do five basic questions to help grade folks on their retirement preparedness. Five key questions I think that we should ask ourselves. So again, folks, if you're listening to the podcast, play along with us uh, for fun here and just kind of give yourself a score, you know, like a B, did you get a C, maybe an F, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, and we'll see how this goes. So the number one question, Steve, is do you know how much you have? And I think for this, I would put most people and myself probably as a solid C student here. I think we know roughly what we have, but I don't think we really know the ins and outs and the greater details of, you know, what's in our 401 or what's in our, you know, like at any given time, someone's not going to know everything they have. At least I don't think. And I'd agree with that. And one of the, the biggest issues is not having a, an aggregated look at it. And I'll talk to prospective clients and I'll ask them basic questions. Okay, how much do you have in your 401k? Uh, I think I have X amount. Or right. do you have any IRAs? Well, I don't think I do. And and they'll kind of, I'll ask them basic questions about what do they own? You know, how much do you owe on your house? Do you have any car payments? A lot of these different questions. And a lot of them will go, eh, I think I do. I can't remember. Or, oh, I know I have everything and I have this, 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 and this. And then once we start working together, before you know it, here comes another two or three accounts they forgot they had. So to answer that question, yeah, most people score about a C or a D. They really just don't have a grasp of what everything they have. And what I do from, from my clients is I have what's called an asset map. And it, it's basically a picture, a visual reference of all their accounts, who owns them, what type of accounts they are, uh, how much debt they have on a home, you know, a home mortgage or a car loan or student loan, what have you what life insurance they have, what long-term care insurance they have, and it's all on one page. So they can always look down and see exactly where they stand at any given time. And that really helps because then people go, oh, wait a minute, I think I have an ex um, a life insurance policy. Yeah, I do. I have, I have one um, you know, that I bought 25 years ago. I put $25 in a month. You know, I bought it from the Northwestern Mutual guy who was a friend of mine I went to college with, you know, that story. And I've had it for 25 years. So really what that does for them is it kind of brings them in. And if they have that map, they know exactly where they stand. And I do it for prospective clients. I do it for all my clients. It really does help. And if you had one of those, you could answer A. Mm, okay. All right. 
Uh, so do you know how much you have? That's the first one. Ask yourself that question and give yourself a little score there, folks. And how about this one now? This one's the toughie. Do you know how much you spend? And I'm going to say most of us, Steve, probably actually really truly get a, an F in this because I think we, again, say things like car payment, house payment, uh, you know, utilities. But when people start to go through the process of getting closer to retirement and start doing some budgeting, some worksheets to kind of see what's coming in and what's going out, they're often really shocked at how much they actually spend. They are, because that's one of the first questions I ask people. Is, okay, how much are you spending? Because typically what you're spending while you're working is what you're going to spend for the first five to seven years in retirement. Typically, we don't see the spending going down. Most people don't want to work 35, 40 years and spend half as much in retirement when they don't have to get up every morning, fight the traffic and go to work. So one of the simplest ways to get a kind of a, a handle of how much you're spending, if you don't have an actual budget and you're not tracking there, I'd say 99.9% .9 of the people I talk to or work with don't track it. I do have, you know, the outliers that really do track it. You know, they know exactly how much is coming out, how much is going out and how much is coming in. So what I ask them to do is they say, look, take your last 12 months of bank statements, add up all the debits because the bank statement will say there's a certain amount of credits that went in and there's debits. Simply add the debits together, divide by 12, and that gives you a pretty good idea of what you're spending per month. And that really can kind of get you thinking and kind of get you on the road to really getting a grasp of how much money is going out because that's really what's happening. That money's going out. Mm -hmm. um, now, one of the caveats is if you're carrying a lot of credit card debt, uh, that's going to be skewed because you you may be paying a thousand dollars a month in credit card payments, but you have forty thousand dollars in debt, you know, that you spent over the time frame. So, but for the most part, the easiest way to do it to get a to get a somewhat of a benchmark, just add up the debits on your last twelve bank statements, divide by twelve, and that tells you how much is going out each month. Gotcha. Okay. And again, this is a pretty important one, and a lot of times we just don't. Uh, do as well as we think we might in this category. And so, you know, ways that you can improve on that is obviously working with an advisor, going through and having conversations, getting some help and some pointers and some things to look for or be on the lookout uh, to do when it comes to, you know, kind of raising this grade, if you will, on this quiz. So that's number two. Uh, and it's probably going to stay, it's going to stay pretty tough for these next couple of questions as well. So do you know how much risk you have? Again, I think this is going to be a pretty poor score. Because a lot of times we, we just truly don't know. I think some people might say, yeah, I got a target date fund, uh, for example. And those are, you know, they reduce the risk as they get closer to retirement. But do you know how much? Probably not. And they don't go as low as you probably think they do. They don't. And what happens usually is, and we find this all the time, when the market is doing well, like it was prior to this COVID issue, people were willing to take on more risk. They for lack of a better term, greed kicked in. They, they weren't comfortable with or satisfied earning 7%. They wanted to earn 15, 20%. Well, in order to do that, you have to be able to take on more risk, meaning more and more of your money are in riskier uh, investments, typically the stock market. So what happens is as the market's going up, you tend to take on more risk. But when the market goes down, people tend not to like to take losses. They tend not to like to rebalance. They tend to have this hope that the market's going to turn around and that account's going to go back up. So if you don't have, an, and we can measure this, by the way, we actually have a program that can measure exactly how much risk you're comfortable with taking because you take a quiz, essentially kind of like this, 
that was done by a, a psychologist, not by a financial person. And it really delves deep into exactly how much risk you're willing to take. It gives us a number, and then we can build a portfolio around that number. And it gives you ranges, basically saying, you know, are you comfortable with losing mm-hmm, 10% right. of your money in one year? That's the downside. The upside is making 20. Are you okay with those ranges? Because we don't know what the market's going to do, but we have a range and then that way people can make informed decisions. So if they're able to get that number, that's the best way to stay disciplined is that you know your number, you know your ranges on gains and losses, then you don't make the big mistake, which is sell low, buy high. We have, there are ways to help people understand how much risk they're taking. Let me give you an idea. Okay. There is... Uh, a way to take somebody's portfolio, put it through a program, and it comes up with the statistical number um, that we use. And basically what it says is, how correlated are you to the stock market, the standard and poor's 500? And what that means is, if it goes up 10%, are you going to get 10% or are you going to get 6%? Uh, if it goes down 20%, are you going to go down 20% with it or are you going to go down 10%? Right. And what we find is that I find most people and most people listening, just, just like people listening to this program say, I'm diversified. I've got eight different mutual funds. And it's I, my, my advisor says I have 60% in the stock market, 40% in the bond market. And when we do this analysis, we find out that they are correlated to the S&P 500 by 95%. What that means is you're going to get 95% of the growth of the S&P 500, but you're also going to get 95% of the loss in the S&P 500. And that shows you how much risk you're taking. So I'd be happy to run that particular report for people so they know exactly. Having a bunch of different mutual funds does not mean you're diversified. Number two, just because it says it's a bond fund does not mean that's going to be safe. Yeah. Yep. And to reduce the risk. So it's it's really more deep than that, but I make it pretty simple to understand what it is. But that's another way to find out how much true risk you're taking is you got to do an x-ray of what you own, and that'll really give you where um, where you stand risk-wise. Yeah, and on this quiz, folks, all of these are pretty easy to fix as well. So if you don't know the answers to some of these, uh, and again, this is not meant to beat you up or make you feel bad. Uh, it's just to kind of you know show you, are you getting closer to retirement preparedness? And if not, you know, give Steve a call, and he can help you you know raise your score, so to speak, when it comes to understanding, do you know how much you truly have? how much you're truly spending, how much risk you're actually taking, uh, and our next one as well. Do you know what pay, uh, what you're actually paying in fees? And I think, again, this is going to be a pretty low score, maybe a D or an F, you know, Steve, because a lot of times people will say, yeah, I'm paying 1% to my guy or gal, right? That's, they think that's kind of it. And they are, um, but that is one aspect of the fees. There are other fees that are involved in mm-hmm. whatever you own. So if you own uh, mutual funds, for example, there are other fees inside the mutual fund that you're paying. There's some that's disclosed. One of them is disclosed, which is called the management fee, which can be half a percent to 1%. Then you also have fees that they don't have to disclose. And those are called transaction fees. And we have tools that we can look and see exactly how much in those type of transaction fees you're being charged. You have uh, other vehicles like uh, variable annuities which are have mutual fund type of accounts in them, but you have other fees on top of it. I've seen some of those where people are paying five, six percent a year in a good year 
and in a bad year. So you pay those fees whether you're making money or not. So getting a grasp of how much you're paying in fees. Now, I want to make sure everybody knows you, you sometimes don't let the fee tail wag the dog, but you want to make sure they're reasonable and that you at least know what they are and know what you're paying for. And that's what most people don't really know is one, how much they're, they're paying for in fees. And two, are you getting the kind of service that you're okay with, with paying those fees? And that's a big uh, question. I, you know, that's, that's a big question. I'm not the cheapest when it comes to charging fees, but we, I provide a, a, a variety of other services that some other advisors don't and charge a lot more than I charge. Yeah. I mean, what's the value added for the fees that you're paying? Just like anything in life, uh, you know, nothing's free. So you have to evaluate is the service you're getting, the, the value you're getting worth those fees that you're paying. And uh, and again, this is all part of this um, quiz and all part of the things you can take care of and handle by working with an advisor, somebody like Steve Hoover, financial coach at Wealth Partners Corporation with more than 20 years of experience. So uh, reach out to him if you need to do so. Just go to wealthpartnerskc.com. That's wealthpartnerskc.com. All right, final one here, Steve. And I think this one can be affected by the other ones, obviously, but especially number two. But do you know what your retirement income streams will look like? And I'm going to give people a C uh, score on this one again. Uh, same with myself, because I think we kind of have a, a rough idea, but we don't really know how to make it work. We say, well, I know I'm going to have Social Security and I know I'm going to have, you know, I know I've got whatever saved in the bank and I know I've got my 401k that I've been pumping into for years at work. I don't really know how to turn it on or activate it as, you know, as far as an income gap, but I know I got it. It is. That is pretty much everybody has a pretty decent idea of how much in Social Security the income they're going to get when they hit full retirement age. Mm hmm. Because most people have gotten the statements they've sent out to them or they've gone on ssa.gov and looked it up and said, oh, okay, I'm going to get X amount per month. The, the one area, as you alluded to, is, is how do we then make the difference? Because Social Security is only going to probably cover about a third of your living expenses. Right. How to fill the gap, right? Right. How, how are we going to get? So in other words, if you want to live off of, let's just take an easy number, $100,000 a year, which is what you're living on now. 30,000 is coming in a year off Social Security. Well, we got to come up with 70,000. Well, where are we going to come up with the 70,000? Uh, you have your 401k, and most people, uh, when they're working and, and, and saving, have that 401k built for growth. They don't have it built for income. And income planning is a totally different animal than growth planning. And that is where doing uh, the projections and some of the other things that I do for my clients and prospective clients is how do we we take that money that you've saved, your pot of money, and turn it into income? Because that's a totally different thing. And I always give everybody the example. Think of it like climbing Mount Everest, the mountain. You know, there are many, many people who have, who have ascended Mount Everest. It, that's the savings part. Everybody kind of knows how to do that. They, they just keep going up and up. And sometimes they have to go back backwards a little bit, but they know that's pretty easy. They know where they're going, which is the summit, which is retirement. But once they hit that summit, they've never come down that mountain before. And they don't know what's in front of them. They don't know what's going to happen. And in fact, more people die coming down from the summit at Mount Everest than going up because most of them have never gone down before. A bunch of them have tried to go up, just never down. Well, that's what happens in retirement income planning. Everybody knows how to save. I mean, it, it's it's really not that difficult if you say, I want to save 10% yeah, of my income. The Fine. discipline's more but tough, it, but you know how to do it, right? Right. Yeah, you know how to do it. 
Then how do you take that pot full of money and turn it into income that's going to have to last you 25 or 30 years? Yeah. And some sobering numbers that, that I've had to tell people is, look, you've done a great job. You've saved a million dollars in your retirement accounts. Well, you're only going to probably be able to pull out about $40,000 a year live because that's what we've calculated and off historical numbers and everything else, about 4% of whatever you're saved is what it is safe to pull out. Yeah. And, and to your point earlier, if you're getting 30, let's say that same example, if you're getting 30 from Social Security, well, they're 70, but you were hoping to have 100 because that's what you're living on now. So there's still another gap. So you're either changing how your retirement lifestyle looks or you've got to have it from someplace else. Right. And you really are left with a couple of options. Number one, save more before you retire. Number two, take more risk and hope what you've saved is going to grow even more. Or number three, you're going to have to cut back on your standard of living when you retire. Th- those are the only things you can do if you've got that gap. And you know, taking out six, seven percent out of your retirement accounts, you're going to be out of money within about 15, 20 years. I know it because I've seen it. I've run the numbers, very conservative numbers, and that's about what it has. So you really need to, to have an income analysis done. How are you going to do it? Because here's the other part. Social Security is really not going to grow each year based on true inflation. You might get a cost of living increase of one and a half, two percent a year. That's that's not going to cover the increase in, in true inflation um, that you're going to face. So whatever you save is going to have to grow and all the money you pull out is going to have to be accounted for um, with inflation. Mm-hmm. So if you pull out $100 today, when you hit retirement, you'll probably have to pull out 120 in today's dollars. Yep. Very true. Well, there you go, folks. That's our five question retirement preparedness quiz. How well did you do? Did you uh, get a couple of C's like me, maybe a couple of D's or even an F or two? Well, you know, again, it's just a quiz, so it's not the end of the world, but it's something certainly to think about and pay attention to, especially if you don't know the answer to some of these or you don't exactly know how you're going to, you know, get some of this stuff under control or get it going in the right way uh, without getting a plan together. So have a conversation with Steve get yourself onto the calendar and have a chat about getting a retirement plan together that will work for you. And of course, if you're already working with us, Steve, you already know that. But if you're not, maybe you can share this uh, this podcast and this message with others who might benefit from them. And if so, if you're listening to the, to the podcast today and you want to reach out to him, call him at 913-685-3207. It's 913-685-3207. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, whatever. Uh, most phones nowadays, smartphones, already have the apps built in to them. If you're an Apple user, there's Apple Podcasts already on your phone. You can simply just open the app, type in the Retirement Pilot in the search box. You'll find it that way. If you're on uh, uh, an Android phone, you can do that with same thing with Google Podcasts. And of course, you could also just download whatever your app of choice is if you'd like to. And you can find all that information at wealthpartnerskc.com. That's wealthpartnerskc.com. All right, my friend, I'm going to let you go this week. Have a good week. Stay safe and sane. And We'll talk in mid-November. We'll see if we uh, have anything else to, interesting to talk about by then. Well, actually, let me let me bring up one thing. Yes, I'm please bring go up ahead. One thing, and, and this has to do, we, we just finished the election. Right. I'll, I'll, I'm going to address this real quick. Sure, go for it. People have been asking me, so I thought I better at least throw this in real quick. As we know, right now, sitting a few days after the election, we still don't have all the results right. uh, on what have happened. But we do know some things, and I want to, because I've been getting calls from people and prospective clients are saying, what is going on here? What is going on? The stock market, as soon as uh, the, the numbers started coming in Tuesday night, the stock market started to go up. And, th- and that was kind of opposite of what everybody was was thinking. That's a good point. And, yeah. 
And people are saying, why is this happening? We got this chaos. We got all this going on. Here's a variety, a couple of things to keep in mind. Number one, there was, there are always people who are in the stock market, the big money managers and so on, put a lot of bets out on, um, out there. They do something that's called short selling. I'm not going to go into to all of that right now, but they do a lot of short selling. That's why we saw the market kind of having some downturns prior to the election. And then what happened was the, the way it's currently looking is that we're going to have a split government. So in other words, we're not going to have one party controlling all three areas in Washington. Kind of like we have, words, we've had already. Right. We're, mm-hmm. we're going to have a different party in the White House, different party in the Congress, different party. You know, we always have two of the three are going to be different. We know that. We know the House is going to still be the Democrats. The Republicans look like they're going to hold the Senate. And we really don't know what's going to happen yet on the, the presidency. But it doesn't really matter because it's not all one party. Right. And before the election, a lot of people put bets on that it was going to be, they called it the blue wave, which was um, the Democrats were going to cover, you know, control all three. Right. And that still could happen uh, with what's going on. But right now, early indications that's not happening. And here's why the the market's doing what it's doing is, number one, the market wanted it to be divided. So in other words, not one party controlling all three areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other part is we have short covering. So a lot of these people who thought that there would be, quote, a blue wave, they were hoping that would turn the market and make it go negative. Well, it didn't. And now they're having to go out and and cover those positions, which is driving up the market. So we need we will have a better grasp of where really where the market's going to be after all that's done and kind of see where we're going on that. But uh, that's that's kind of where we are. And right now, uh, that's all we can deal with. So, again, kind of going back to the quiz, you need to kind of know how much risk you're taking because this thing could turn around on us in a heartbeat. Like, like it did in March, and head south very quickly. Um, That's but, a great point. I'm, I'm, thanks for bringing that that up. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely one of those things where, uh, you know, I was just thinking that earlier too, and I, I totally forgot to mention that to you when we started the podcast. So thanks for bringing that up for me. But yeah, it was like uh, people will say, well, wow, the, the two we're two days on at the time we're taping this, two days after. And uh, it's like the market's done really well for the last two days. And, you know, you say, well, wait a minute, I thought it doesn't like uncertainty and we don't have a president. So, you know, how is that certain? But that's a great way of looking at it and a good way of explaining it. So I appreciate that. Not a problem. It's just, we'll just have to see what happens. Have to see. Um, going forward, I'm sure it'll be interesting in the next few weeks. <laughs> well, if 2020 is going to do anything, it's going to keep it interesting. That's for sure. It, it will do that. All right, folks. Well, there you go. So if you got questions or concerns, again, reach out to Steve at 913-685-3207. And thanks for listening to The Retirement Pilot. We'll see you next time. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.